Okay, welcome to uh, take 37 and a half of tonight's Kashuch Yor. I don't know how long uh, Zoom is going to give us at this point since we had that power outage, but we'll give it uh, as long as we've got. Um, we're going to go back to the beginning. Um, dis we're discussing uh, common Kashuch misconceptions. Um, so the first one I want to discuss was eggs. There's a minug in Kleisel to check every egg for blood spots. The reason being that if blood is found in the yolk of an egg, the egg is trafe because it should develop into a chick and you can't shecht an egg and therefore, uh, you know, the egg's not kosher. Or is kosher once it develops into a chick and then you can shecht it and have some nice schnitzel. Um, but an egg form is not kosher. If the egg is found in the white, so according to the opinion of the Ashkenazim, the Shach, the Ramah, so it's a storm in the Rabbanan, um, but not Midiraita. Uh, Manabit Yosef says you could just take out the blood spot in, in, if it's in the white, and it's no problem, um, but agrees that if it's in the yellow and the yolk, that it would be a problem. The question, though, comes about with today's chickens in that they're raised in, or the eggs are typically collected from battery cages as a if it's a free-range chicken, so this would all apply, and you would need to check every egg. Every egg, But in today's chickens, you don't necessarily need to check every egg. Um, now, most eggs, regardless whether it's free-range or not, don't have blood spots. So if you hard-boil eggs, so you can just hard-boil eggs, and you don't have to check the egg, because then you can't hard-boil it, because it's now cracked, and you can't put it back together. Uh, you know. So the... There is an, uh, an opinion that says at least if you're making hard-boiled eggs, you should put at least three eggs in the pot. This way, if one of them happens to be not kosher, so the other two are kosher. And Minatora, it's Batel Berov. There's two versus one, and so you're good. Um, but in any event, most eggs today are not uh, free-range uh, eggs, and therefore this opinion shouldn't really apply. The salacha shouldn't really apply. It still does. The minhag still stands, and it's a good idea just to check the eggs. Um, blood in and of itself is usser, um, but once cooked, is only usser in the rabbanan. So if someone didn't check their eggs, um, and they just put them into a, let's say, a, a, a cake or something, so then the cake is not usser. And even if someone mixed all the eggs into a bowl and there was a little blood spot, you could just take the uh, blood spot out um, and use the rest of the egg mixture without a problem. Um, this would not be the case if it were free-range eggs, as I said, that you would have to really check each one separately and if there's a blood spot, depending on where it is and depending on where you want to hold, um, either you have to, you can remove the blood spot and use it if it's found in the yolk, um, according to the opinion of many of the Svaradim, um, but according to the Ashkenazim and other Svaradim as well, um, and it to be machmir, and any blood found in an egg anywhere, uh, we just uh, throw it out. Um, you know, ask your your local Orthodox rabbi uh, what your custom is uh, regarding eggs. But in any event, if you happen to use eggs that weren't free range, you could use them uh, without. Uh, you know, if you happen to not check them, um, it's there's not really so much uh, of an issue involved. Now, uh, moving on from that, um, there's a common 
very common misconception that basar b'halav, the forbidden mixture of meat and milk, only applies by kosher meat. Meaning, if I were to buy, uh, you know, the regular grocery store brand of beef and mix it with cheese, that there's a misconception that that is not uh, forbidden because of Asar B'chalav. Now, there are opinions that do say that once something is Asar for a separate reason, you can't add an Isar onto it. So if the meat you know, was Nivela, which most likely it is because it's uh, the non-kosher meat, um, so it's either uh, treif or uh, a Nivela, depending on the situation, um, uh, or it's from the back half of the cow, but that could be kosher. That's a separate issue. Um, but as long as it's, you know, not kosher meat, so there are opinions. We don't hold like them, but there are opinions that if someone were to uh, take treif meat and mix it with cheese, so the meat in and of itself has one iser involved, and that it's treif. So you can't add the iser of basar b'chalav to it. However, the mainstream opinion uh, of most uh, authorities is that, um, and this is the opinion of Man Rabbi Joseph, he says it clearly in uh, Shulchan Aruch in Simon Pezayin, Sif Gimel, Einu noheg elab basar he doesn't say basar kasher and chalav kasher. He says that it's the meat or and milk from an animal that's tehora. Now, what does that mean that it's the behema tehora? It means it's an animal that could be kosher. Meaning the animal in and of itself is a kosher animal. We just don't know if that particular animal that was shechted or that you milked is a kosher animal. So, um, Meaning, Basar B'chalav doesn't apply Midiraita from on camel meat or camel milk. Um, so, if you were to make a cheeseburger out of kosher beef, but you used camel milk cheese, um, that is not Asr from Basar B'chalav, Minatora. It is Midirabanan, but Minatora, it's not Asr. Um, but that does mean, it, according to Muran, if you have meat, that's nevela or treif, that you know was not shechted properly, or, or once shechted they found an, an issue with it that would make it not kosher. If someone were to cook it with dairy from a cow or from a goat, so that would be a deraita isra basab halav. So this comes to play in dog food. A lot of dog food has mixers of milk and, and meat, um, or milk bones. Milk bones are uh, meat and bones of animals that are then mixed with milk and turned into dog food um, or dog treats. Those are asur minatora. You cannot make them. You cannot eat them yourself, for sure not. But you can't benefit from them, meaning you can't give them to your dog to eat. If it's the milk bone that's just chicken and 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 dairy, so then that you could give to your dog, but being able to uh, to guarantee that is not such a simple process, and therefore milk bones in general are frowned upon. Um, but it would, the same thing would apply to dog food. If there was a dog food that was a, a meat and dairy blend, uh, 
you wouldn't be able to serve that or to give that to your dog to eat um, or cat or any other animal. Um, there would be uh, an, an issue with eating those things. So Sarbah Chalav applies to more than just, you know, getting, uh, you know, the kosher meat from the store and mixing it with kosher milk. It could be, you know, the not supervised milk with the non-kosher meat, but that, according to Murana Beit Yosef, is Asr Mina Torah to cook together and for sure to eat. And therefore, because it's a sort to cook together also, there's no, you're not allowed to benefit from it in any way whatsoever. Um, another interesting uh, thing, this is really for Sfaradim, is there's a, a concept brought in, in Siman Peitet in Saif Bet, where the Ramah talks about, uh, Maran says you can, you can eat meat immediately after eating dairy, as long as you uh, eat something like bread or crackers or something like that to kind of clean out your mouth. And then you rinse your mouth out and take like a drink of water or wine and uh, swallow it around and you know, swallow it and you wash your hands. So therefore you can immediately go from eating dairy to eating meat. Um, the Ramah says that they, the custom among the Ashkenazim is to wait an hour, or to, is to wait between dairy and and, uh, and and meat, especially with what he calls gvina kasheh, hard cheese. So sometimes you'll see on kosher cheese, it'll say something like aged nine months, or it'll say six six hour cheese. So the main the the main opinion on what Gvina Kashe is what hard cheese is that it's been aged for six months or more. This would include uh, a lot of times sharp cheddars, depending on the cheddar. It would include uh, Parmesan, Romano, Asiago. Um, there are other cheeses also that would, you know, some, some Swiss cheeses uh, are aged uh, for more than six months, and therefore those, according to Romano, you'd have to wait to eat and the, the Taz says clearly that you have to wait six hours from eating that to eating meat, just like you have to wait between meat and dairy. The opinion around Abit Yosef is that it's allowed um, to go immediately from meat to, or from dairy to meat. Um, and in my personal opinion, this is uh, the correct opinion, being that the Gemara doesn't say anything um, about going from uh, dairy to meat, just from meat to dairy, um, and the general uh, custom among Sephardim in, in, in the world, as attested to by Chamavadia in uh, Yabi Omer, uh, by Cham David Yosef in Halacha uh, Berurah, in Sefer Hora Berurah, and the Orlitzion also uh, says that the, the general custom is not to wait uh, at all. Um, but there are people who have a custom with half an hour or an hour. Um, that again should go according to your custom. But for Sfaradim, there for sure is a lot more room uh, to uh, basically kind of ignore the part on the package that says six hour cheese. Um, and really, in most, at most, you'd have to wait an hour from eating that uh, to eating um, to eating to eating meat. Um, and if anybody wants, uh, they can uh, contact me through the group. Um, 
I have uh, a teshuvah uh, that I put together uh, explaining this particular Indian in, in greater detail. Um, other uh, last item in terms of Masar Bachalav is something called dairy bread, which is brought down in Simon Sadi Zion in Yeridea, where uh, it's not so well known, but if somebody makes bread with milk in it, or they make it with meat fat and they make a meat bread, uh, obviously you can't put the milk and the meat together in, in the bread, that, that'd be a problem. But to make bread either dairy or meat doesn't make the bread meat or dairy, it makes it treif. It may, but it makes the bread becomes treif. Bread has to be parv. You cannot make it dairy or meat because people eat bread with, you know, everything. You go to the store, you buy a loaf of bread. You don't intend, oh, I'm just going to eat this bread with my cheese. It's, I could eat it with cheese or I could eat a pastrami sandwich or a turkey sandwich or I could eat it uh, with an omelet or any, any, you know, you know, you don't have to decide at that moment. If, however, someone made dairy bread, so someone may or may not know that, and they would come to eat dairy bread with meat, which would be a problem. So the Chachamim decided that they were going to asser bread that wasn't parv. So that leads to a bigger question of, all right, how do we have pizza or cheese barekas or meat barekas or you know, lots of things are bread, but also meat or dairy. So there's two ways out of it. One is you make a small uh, amount. There's a difference of opinion about, as to what small amount means. Um, Maran seems to be of the opinion that it's what you would eat in one meal. Uh, and the Ramah seems to be it's what you would eat in one day. Meaning if you wanted to make dairy bread for Shavuot, according to the Ramah, you can make it for Shavuot the whole day. And according to Maran, you can make it for one meal of Shavuot. You can make it dairy, uh, dairy bread. The other way around it is you can make it in any quantity you want as long as it's in a specific shape. This is why if you're in Ertisrol, you'll see that no matter where you go, cheese barrecas are triangular and potato barrecas are square. It's to show you that you don't have to even worry about it, that the triangular ones are dairy. It's you do with the triangular ones are dairy and the bar of ones are square. We have in in the the store I work in, so the uh, meat lachvajin is circular. The par of lachvajin is uh, square, and the uh, barekas, so the potato barekas, uh, are triangular. And we don't do like our tisrael; we kind of got flipped around. Uh, they're triangular with sesame seeds on top. The meat barekas are triangular, and they have poppy seeds on top to show that they're different. And we also have meat and potato ones, which are poppy and sesame seed on top to show you it's both. And then the square ones are dairy. Um, same thing with the sambusek. The cheese sambusek has uh, sesame seeds. The meat has poppy seed. Um, so the this way you know that there's something different about it and that you don't come to have a problem with somebody grabbing the meat sambusek and you know, taking a bite of it uh, right before they were going to chow down on their yogurt for breakfast. That would 
be a problem. So um, that's the way out of it. So it, if you want to make a small amount, you're only making a small amount. So you can make it look like regular bread as only making a small amount. But if you need to make a, a larger amount of it, um, or you want to stock your freezer, so that has to be in a specific shape um, that would sort of announce that this isn't uh, regular, it's dairy or uh, the like. Uh, pizza, um, is pizza it has a very specific shape. Um, you can also typically tell by looking at it that it's dairy because uh, it has melted cheese all over it. Um, and the bar of cheese looks like Lego bricks that have been boiled and there's all sorts of bubbles and things. So that's not, uh, you, know, you don't typically have to worry about that. Um, right, 10 minutes left, great. So the last two items I want to discuss, one is in terms of uh, vegan food or vegetarian food. A lot of people have this uh, idea, um, I'm not entirely sure why, that uh, it's, you know, sort of, it's either okay or it's at least better that, you know, if you're going to eat outside the house, so yeah, okay, I'll just have a vegetarian, I'll have a salad or something, you know, what could be wrong with lettuce or, uh, you know, olive oil, and there's nothing wrong with olive oil, olive oil is olive oil. I'm going to say it right now, and I'm not joking, it is significantly less bad to eat a cheeseburger than it is to eat a, a, a non-supervised salad. It is significantly better to eat a pork steak, or at least significantly less bad, not significantly better, significantly less bad to eat a steak made out of pork than it is to eat a non-supervised salad. The reason being is that for every kazaid of cheeseburger, there's one isser involved. For every kazaid, which kazaid being roughly 27 uh, grams, for every kazaid of the pork sirloin or whatever you want to call it, every kazaid is one isser. It's one prohibition. <laughs> For every bug that's found in the salad that's not supervised, every single bug is five prohibitions. And if it has wings, it's six. So if you eat a salad that has one bug and it has no wings, so it's five prohibitions. And then, or you could eat a four ounce cheeseburger. The four ounce cheeseburger has less prohibitions than the one bug that was in that salad. Now there are also other issues with you know, vegetarian food. There's issues of bishulakum, there's issues of patakum, depending on you know what you're eating in a vegetarian place or you know, in a restaurant, somebody gave you uh, something. Um, so vegetarian or vegan food is significantly more problematic um, than almost anything uh, on the market. Um, and it's, it's for sure significantly more so than uh, 
a cheeseburger or uh, non-kosher steak or, or anything uh, like that. Um, and for sure, since um, lettuce and vegetables don't typically have one bug, they're allowed uh, dozens and dozens more uh, per hundred uh, per hundred grams. Um, so the vegetables that aren't supervised by a mishkiach and actually checked to make sure they're clean, uh, you can be sure uh, that there's plenty of bugs on there because the FDA uh, allows them uh, in great quantities. Um, and you can look up the FDA's numbers if you want. We also had it in a previous year, um, so I don't want to rehash this item too much. Um, the last item I want to discuss, um, let's see if we have two minutes for questions at the end, uh, is Tevilas Kalim. A lot of people have uh, this notion that if you buy something from the store, you buy a new knife, you buy a new uh, a, a new pot, so the first time you use it, you don't have to tovel it. Um, it's a Torah commandment, and according to most authorities, the Rambam is the basically the lone exception who says it's an asmacht and it's a ba'alma and therefore it's a limit rabbanan. But according to most authorities and the way Manabe Joseph holds it, it's a Torah commandment to take uh, new kalim that are made of metal or uh, glasses de rabbanan, according to everybody, um, and to immerse them in a mikvah. You can ask your local Orthodox rabbi about your particular custom, how many times you do it. Um, but there is a, a significant Torah mitzvah involved. And Maran says in Yeridea Siman Kufchaf, Saif Hayat, he says, So someone who borrows um, or, or rents a uh, utensil from a non-Jew, so eno to'un, it doesn't require tevila. Why? Because the only time it requires tevila is if the item is owned by someone not Jewish, and then a Jew buys it from that person. He borrows. He he buys it from uh, someone not Jewish. And then he lends it to his friend without tovling it to un tevila. It still needs tevila. Why? on the first guy who bought it, at that point it was chayav to be to be told. So there is an opinion that says if you're gonna buy it not to eat, if you only buy it just to like take off the peels of something, or you buy a, a knife that you're using not even for for food, you're using it for some other random purpose, um, so that you don't have to total. But the Rama adds, Aval Harishon, Asur Lihishtavesh Bolutzarko Suda, Afilu Derech Arai below Tevila. He says the person who buys it, the first guy that bought this item, unless he's buying it to sell. Right? The guy, if you're buying it to, to sell, so then you don't have to toll it because you're not using it for food. But if you bought it to use, and before you used it, and before you tolled it, you lent, your Ruvain lent it to Shimon, so Shimon still has to tovel it. And Shimon's not even allowed to use it without tovelling it, because Ramon says, the first guy is a sorely shtamesh, he's not allowed to use it, 
the Litsarki Suda for any uh, purposes for his, his, his meals, right? Afilu derech aray belotevila, even in a, a non-committal matter. Even if he only just used it once or twice, he's not allowed to do that. And therefore, um, this notion that you could use uh, you know, the knife or the pot you bought one time before uh, taking it to the mikvah to use uh, is not true in the slightest. I'm not entirely sure where it, it came from, um, but uh, for yourselves, you should know and tell all your friends um, uh, that anytime you get a new item, if it needs Tevila, you cannot use it, not even once, without Tevila. Now, as, as a side note, if it happened to be used, it doesn't make anything trafe. It's a it's a halacha regarding the utensil. It does, has no bearing on the food that was made with said utensil. So it's not going to, if you you know cut a steak with it, it's not going to make the steak trafe. But you're still not allowed to do it. Um... And therefore, uh, as soon as you get items at the first opportunity, uh, take them to uh, to be told. Uh, the last minute and 20 seconds, any questions? Oh, okay, so Shem, next week we will uh, continue uh, with the shiur. I'm very happy uh, to be back after that uh, few week hiatus. Um, hope everybody had a great Yom uh, uh, Tovim season. Um, Shem, everybody will have a good winter, and uh, we'll uh, we'll take it from there. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Very welcome. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.